0: Mate.
1: Chuck it at reception,
0: mate. Welcome to another episode of Under the Bar podcast. Thank you mm. so much for taking the time out of your existence to mm. um, be a part of this, this, whatever this is, this entity. Uh, now we'll be joined by uh, big Wolfgang Unsold. On yeah, the line, the big from, bad Wolfgang from uh, Stuttgart. Later in the in the program, really looking forward to this, and he's coming out to Australia in November this year, Roden, yep. for a couple of seminars. Now he does have some more expansive seminars that I think he does uh, certifications back home. back home in Germany. He's coming mm-hmm. out to do a two day broad spectrum overview of what he does, both I think athletes and general population. Yep, he's going to be in Sydney at the Clean Health <laughs> Institute. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are you yeah. doing that for? Right, yeah. Just just, just loose. <laughs> just second reception. But yeah, he's yeah. going to be at the CHFI.
0: CHFI Friday. No, sorry. Saturday and Sunday, the 16th and 17th of November. Ooh, a
1: big two-day extravaganza.
0: Yep. Then he's down in Melbourne at Body Seek.
1: Body Seek, yep from uh, uh, Tim
0: deegan I think down there 24th and 25th of November. Mhm mhm. So uh but he'll talk about that when we talk to him. Today it's it's, it's good chat actually. He talks quite a lot about general population and yep. what he does with with that clientele, you know, whilst he enjoys having that little sprinkling of the athletic population, mm. the bread and butter 90% of the people he work with do yeah. fall into that gen pop uh, kind of category.
1: And that's what we thought we'd do rather than uh picking his brain the performance side of things. Like let's just get the the, the basic fundamentals of is gen pop yeah. uh, what he does with those that, that demographic because like you said that is what what a lot of our listeners actually work with 90 90 percent of the time or so
0: absolutely so before we get to wolfgang rawdon just a, a bit of a shout out to trent up there at impact gym at yeah Aramont. and aria and dax uh from uh next, next, gen. next gen
1: yep yep we were up
0: at uh, on the central coast and you're uh, old uh, stopping ground? stomping
1: ground yeah, yeah yeah went up there and uh, emily and uh, paul Uh, both Grims now yes Uh, the guys uh, organised and obviously the guys from Impact Gym foolishly wanted us to go up there and uh, talk uh, talk a bit of chop which was which was really fun and um, and and Really put on the, the, the guys at the Impact Gym really put on a good spread. We were, we were like royalty, weren't we? We, we came uh, in. We got we got an amazing lunch. Uh, you know, on the center stage on a big couch and yeah. uh, mics. All the it was all set up. I, I dare say their ability, the the lovely girl up there twirling the knobs was uh, worthy. Cam would have even been impressed. I think Cam would have given it a thumbs up. But it yeah. was an awesome weekend.
0: Yeah, great facility up there. Like a lovely amazing. big uh, gym space, oh, uh, beautiful cafe. Yep, and uh, uh, yeah, where, where we did our little talk was, uh, yeah,
1: very so, nice setup. So when we were up there, Tommy, uh, I, I did my usual, you know, comp prep, blah, 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 boring, 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 you know. Hey, we don't work with any of those, uh, that demographic. You and a couple other coaches do. What about the, the <laughs> 90%, the gen pop? Mm. And that's where we, uh, you also went through, which I thought was really cool. We, we could cover today for our listeners your your eight commandments or these eight eight step process that you go through. And not complete. Uh, beginner, first time in the gym. These are, you know, gen pop who are a little more savvy, a little more uh, focused after that that next level of um, attention to detail and the yeah. results.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Wolfgang will allude to this as well, you know, that when we do say gen pop, it, it's not... Complete. It, but get first time not, in the gym yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's people who are high-performance individuals looking for structure and the next level with their training and what have you. What we discussed up there at Impact, Rawdon, both of our initial yeah. processes. Initial processes, and, definitely. And for me, it's uh, like you said, I've got a very structured eight-step process that I go through. We won't go through it all now. But suffice to say, the first half of that, the first four steps primarily where you're doing the fact finding from your clients Mm -hmm. so you'll go through obviously their goal their exercise history their nutritional history Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. a nice little tool I call the daily existence checklist yep and that's where you really for me you you basically start at the start of their day what time they set the alarm what time they get out of bed Uh what's the first thing that goes into their mouth Yep, blah 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 all the way through their working day what time they're eating the meals what's in all of those meals yep. what they have around them at their desk what kind of work they do does their boss annoy them where are the stress leaks in their day yeah, good. when do they plan to train all of this kind of stuff and it's a tool that you can use at any stage yeah. I- at the course with a client. You know, if they just yeah. lose weight yeah. after a period of time, get them back in, all right, yep. let's start from the top, go down and see where we are, and then rebuild the plan around that. So that's the primary tool I use to
1: then build the lifestyle nutrition plan for. And tell me, tell me, in, in, in that initial four steps, are you uh, more taking notes? And, notes everywhere. And, and everything they say is, is, is what it is, or are you providing commentary along there or are you just listening at that stage primarily just listening yeah
0: listening and asking questions just getting as much info as i can all right then the second half of the consult is when i start to do a bit more talking yep yep, and we move into sleep stress digestion yeah into those topics i start actually trying to initiate the education process for the client Mm. because that's one of the primary factors that i think leads to compliance is if you can actually educate the client expand their knowledge of yep physiology in their mm. own body, and why sleep, stress management, and you know optimizing digestion as yeah. best we can, the role that that plays in achieving the goal that they're there for. And so I go through those steps, and then we have a consultation review, and basically go through everything that we've been through. I'll suggest what I think is the most optimal method to get to their goal, yep. and then I'll lay out what that would look like, and if they don't think they can comply to that, level of optimal we then start working back until we come to a place where they're happy to start it's a bit Uh, of a negotiation a bit of a negotiation and once they agree and we both agree on what the starting structure is going to be and the changes that we'll make i'll then formalize that into a plan yep send that through and then they then they get going on on everything but getting them to agree on what we're both going to do i think is a is a really nice way to start the process and very uh, good for compliance.
1: And taking the, they take ownership of, of, of that yep. at the start. And it that's doesn't really have good. to be much. It no.
0: just has to be enough to, even if it's just enough to tweak the energy balance slightly yep. to initiate fat loss. So you know? so
1: is, is all the while, while you're setting all this up, you've still got the, the key fundamentals that you back in mind. You're still ticking the energy balance, get them moving, yep. training, add muscle, all that stuff will occur. It's more laying the foundation so they actually have a good buy-in and good compliance. Yep. And uh, that's awesome. I love it. That, and that, that process, how long for that? Is that that would be surely be longer than that forty-five minutes or so? Yeah, initial. at
0: least ninety minutes. I leave ninety minutes yeah, for enough. it. Yeah, yeah. It usually spills over a little bit. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so that good. was that, and it was a pleasure being up there on the central coast. And we and went. To Jade had a lovely time. Oh, what about the farts in the car? Oh my oh. God!
1: Very unladylike, <laughs> mate. I don't know how you live with her, mate. She's uh, she's a handful. Yeah. She's a handful. And of course, we went over to. Uh, Excalibur HQ that's an yeah. amazing uh, resort that the guys are building up there absolutely phenomenal yeah. so it was a good weekend all round. really nice enjoyed weekend. it alright let's have a chat with Wolfgang
0: Well, very excited to be here in the Eagle Waves Mm. radio studio Mm. again, Rawdon, And um, an old friend joins us on the line ahead of a a trip down under later on in the year, and we'll get all the details for that. But we've Mm. got the founder of Your Personal Strength Institute.
1: YPSI,
0: yep. Over there in Stuttgart, Germany, Wolfgang Unsold on the show. We've spoken to him before and got his
1: ins and outs on hypertrophy and a few mm. other things. Yeah, and some supplementation talk, I think. but but for our listeners, don't go back and listen to any of those ones because they were <laughs> they were a bit early on in the piece. We're, we were, we're a, a bit little rusty, then. bit rusty. You yeah. know? Uh, just listen to this one that we do today, I think it'll be far more. Uh, enjoyable for you.
0: And talking to Wolfgang just before we came on the air, then Roden. I mean, he's well known for his work with athletes. Yep. The recent round of competitors at Rio and Sochi and yep. and all that kind of stuff. We can talk about that. But ninety percent mm. of his uh, his clientele, general population. Yeah. And so we thought we would we get his spin on you yeah. know these real world applications that the bulk of our listenership yeah. are actually dealing with day to day.
1: Exactly. Like, uh, I guess not. Uh, never trained before. We're talking, you know, gen pop that are they're after that, uh, chasing that body composition change. You yeah. know, is it the same as, uh, like I do with, with the physique athletes or do you maybe have to actually listen to what they have to say and, uh, take other things into consideration. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, picking, uh, Wolfgang's brain on this one, mate. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your time, Wolfgang. Welcome back to the podcast,
0: mate.
2: Ron, Tommy, thank you for having me back.
1: Beautiful. So, I, uh,
2: first, Will this be the first time down under later in the year or? It'll be the first time down to teach. I've actually came to Australia in 2010 because my girlfriend at the time uh, has uh, had a half a year off in Sydney. Nice. So I was down there for five days. Uh, Now it's the first time that I come a little bit longer and also going to be teaching. Awesome. Awesome.
1: We're looking forward to that one. We'll run through those dates a little bit later, Tommy. Mm -hmm.
0: Wolfgang, so... I guess what Roden alluded to in the in the mm. introduction there with general population, I think uh, sometimes just that term gen pop can, oh, who can are they, conjure an image of fat people doing step ups. But, but the way I look at it, <laughs> Burpees. it is that these people are usually making a lot of money. They're mm. good professionals. They've mm. got a family. They're, they're organized and they're just outsourcing a particular part of their life to take charge of, of a transformation or a body yep. composition shift, but yep. they're, they're intelligent, dedicated, and they want an outcome. Uh, and I gather looking at the kind of transformations that you get that that's the kind of person that you're dealing with predominantly over there?
2: Yeah, 90% of my clientele is general, general population. So the, the athletic population is definitely very interesting and, and very fun to work with. Uh, yet the bread and butter, the, the majority of, of what I do is the general population as with most personal trainers? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I really think that is the case. In, in a perfect world, you um as much as uh, you know, like a uh, Wolfgang, you, you probably can give me your spin on this. It's and you would know firsthand. It's sort of cool to have competitors because you know they're, they're going to do what they're what really what you say, and you can push them quite hard. But you know, they come with a fair bit of baggage, Tommy, and you, you got all the, the, the stresses of, uh, you know, I mean, the notorious bikini athletes can be, a, you know, lots of messages back and forth and reassurance that they're heading in the right direction. And then, obviously, the, the competition day in itself can be a a, 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 a really a source of angst for you, Tommy. So, mm. for that reason, you, ideally, you don't want too many athletes. So, you know, that nice spread is probably a, 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 like I think you gave numbers with the you know 90% of uh, gen pop and you know 10% of athletes and you know I think for a lot of our listeners they probably do have a, a couple of athletes uh, or physique athletes that they may work with but um but predominantly I think it is going to be that that general pop uh type clientele that they work with but um Awesome. Mm. So, where are we going to go, Tommy? What are we going to pick uh, Wolfgang's brain on today?
0: Well, where do you get started, Wolfgang? When that general population client comes in, obviously you assess their goal and figure out what they're what they're there for. But how, what's your system to get that process underway?
2: Actually, the initial the initial assessment that the first appointment I have with them is very very similar to the athlete. Um, basically, there's there's three main parts I focus on, which is number one, obviously. Their food, what do they eat, uh, how do they eat it, where do they eat it, which is for the gen pop client, the even bigger question as for the athlete, uh, the where do I eat it and how, how do I eat it. Uh, because organizing food is a big one as food often is not that high in priority as with the, the athletic population. And then, of course, um, sleep, it's a big one, as I mentioned in the first podcast. Yeah. S- same questions, uh, same standard procedure I go through and then of course uh, measuring skin fold as another base with the big difference between working with an athlete versus with a general population is that with an athlete usually training nutrition is very high on the priorities training usually comes as number one yet with the general population training is rarely priority number one with job and or family and then family and or job being uh, the top two priorities and then training and food, to some degree, has to just fit in, which is, from a hierarchy standpoint, a, a, a lot more of an uh, of work to, to to figure it in and find solutions that actually work for them.
1: Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so you won't sort of try and uh, change priorities for them. You'll actually encourage that um, that hierarchy and and actually. Uh, what you're selling them is is a product that will fit into their lifestyle And do you feel that that um, approach for you is is one of the reasons you do have success in the uh,
2: With the general population transformations Absolutely, it's definitely one of the most sustainable. That's one thing with a general population you have that super motivated client here And there or if someone hires a trainer or Approaches us to work with us there's some level of motivation yet mo- motivation is something that fluctuates And especially during times where something else might be even of higher priority, then every trainer knows that uh, the client might get a bit lost, skip training sessions, not train at all, and then nutrition, lifestyle are going to fluctuate a bit too in, in commitment. Yet, if I manage to implement my training and my nutrition in a way that it flows with their top priorities, which is usually family and or job or the other way around. Um, then it's much easier for them to be to be sustainable, which is a big one which I also mentioned um, in the beginning. Basically what I often call it is the so-called reverse Weight Watchers. Uh, so Weight Watchers is a system that works. What I want to do though is the exact opposite. Weight Watchers works so well, one of the top two reasons why it works so well is because it works when you do it. So mm-hmm. you eat little, that's what at the end of the day you do, you, you count your points, you eat little, uh, you're gonna lose your weight in that case. And uh, you, once you don't eat like that anymore, you regain your weight, and statistically, you actually regain a little bit more than you had before, which is, from a psychological standpoint, a very interesting point because the person that does it knows if I do it, it works. Yet, if I don't do it anymore, it doesn't work. So, it basically puts the blame on themselves. You know, mm, it's your fault, yeah. you're not doing it. So, um, you have to do it against for it to work, which actually makes Weight Watchers um, a, a model that heavily relies on repeat customers. Yeah, yes, As by design. nobody will eat like that continuously. A very few percentile of um, clients will eat like that all year round. Uh, what I want to do is the exact opposite. And I also talked to them about this. When we make a change nutrition-wise, um, and I ask them, so how, <clears throat> how easy is that for you to implement in a year or two down the road? Because that's what that's what the end of the day, what it's about, right? finding changes that work for them and that work for them long term.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess it's that. Um, Broderick Chavez, one of the, the guys that we have on the program all the time, you know, that averages over time are, are really going to make the difference. Um, I really want to go into um, you know delve into the nutritional side of things uh, first up, if I may, Tommy, and we'll mm-hmm. you know do you is there like a basal metabolic rate and 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 calories and macros and all that sort of stuff. But before we go there. Just with the with the lifestyle um, and you know family and, and and work and these types of things, if um, do you leave that as is initially, even though there might be some uh, yeah blaringly obvious uh, things that could be improved and and you know, get the ball rolling, nutrition training, fit it in, and then, um, the, you know, it might be that they just are poorly organized and they make sure they have no sleep, and, and you, you emphasize sleep being a priority, but, you know, it's their their uh, work and, 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 and family that's, that's causing the lack of sleep. Do you uh, are you aware of that but you put it to one side and 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 sort of make a point of coming back to that once they're up and running or do some things when you get them on that initial console. it's like well <clears throat> you want transformation you want body comp change this ain't gonna fly you're getting two hours sleep we got to fix this asap
2: so if something uh, is as extreme as only two hours of sleep <laughs> i'll be very open like okay th- this is not gonna work Yep. If it's more a smaller point, I'm, I'm a big fan of step-by-step changes. Okay. So uh, I try to change about four to five things every single month I see them. And yep. then I, I work with what they got. So, so certain things you can change, certain things you can't change. Yeah. Um, I try to change what I can change. Uh, so if someone, for example, I've like had clients that work in nightclubs or um, clients that own restaurants or so, some sort of um, yeah. hospitality business, for them being in bed at 10, for the majority of them is not going to happen because yeah. their, their middle of their day is basically at, the, at 10 at night yeah. so for someone like that i need to emphasize on okay when you go to bed at three or four which is their usual time you fall asleep right away you make sure you sleep through the night and you, you make sure you get enough volume of sleep so yeah okay getting there like bedtime early in a perfect world it's going to happen uh but in a realistic world it's just not going to happen uh, okay. because that's not how they're they're Life or lifestyle or job works. Yet I w- you know, they won't change jobs. Yeah, because of what I say, even though it might, might be smart at some point. Yeah. Um, the point is uh, what, what I advise them needs to, f- to fit in what they do. Because in a lot of cases, you know, losing body fat and gaining um, muscle mass is, is a big goal everybody has. Yeah. Um, the majority of people have that, that go to the gym or, or come see me. Yet there's two non specific goals I try to achieve with everybody, especially the uh, general population client, uh, independent of your specific goals. And, and those two are the energy level and sleep, which at the end sums up to life quality, mm, which yeah. is a, one of the, the main goals of why you hire a personal trainer. At the end of the day, you just want to feel better, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, yeah.
2: true. That, that's a big one you do. So uh, at the end of those people, you know, or the the general population it's not much about performance and on a peak level it's more about the average daily performance you want to wake up in the morning you want to have energy you want to feel great you want to feel great throughout the day and, and you want to sleep great at night and if you have energy and you want to use the sleep grade then it, it works for you rearranging lifestyle uh, in, in most cases just because of priorities that does not really work so I basically adjust um, what I have for example um, Few things that I have recommended at, at later points with clients, uh, they need you to get more movement in. So I recommend them to get a chin up bar, especially when they're self-employed or if they have their own office. You know, install a chin up bar in the office. Yeah. Every time you walk by it, or every time you walk through the door in and out, you got to do one chin up.
1: Yeah, it,
2: it, it's not a it's not a full workout yet. Walking in and out of, out of the office a couple times a day, you, you're gonna get in quite a bit of quality work. Not only is it gonna boost your chin up performance, yet It's also gonna just basically increase your base metabolic rate uh, by just doing a lot more quality movement than you have done before. Very cool. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. Moving it in, trying to fit it in their lifestyle. And uh, another point I often make is because people always come. I need to reduce stress. I need to reduce stress. So what I tell them is is, very simple. Stress reduction is an illusion. Stress management is a solution.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: Very few people are actually in a position where they can technically reduce stress. Uh, it's not about reducing stress because you know you, you can't. You, know, you, have, you have a lifestyle with family and, and job that, that leads to some level of stress. Getting rid of family, getting rid of job, it's just not going to work. Uh, so exactly. the goal is to me is improve stress management. How you may handle that lifestyle. You know, you basically, you know, you want to you want to you shake off and roll with the punches. Yeah. You know, it's what you want to do and that's a much more realistic approach to general population than just being like okay this is the ideal world but this is what we have to fit in um, because unfortunately with too many people it just does not it just does not work long term which again sustainable, sustainable changes and sustainable results so the, the, the average as you said uh, over a long time is that what I'm shooting for
1: Mm. yeah
0: yeah that's That's awesome Wolfgang and and sometimes with certain people I'll take it a step further and and say stress optimization, because all the cool stuff we want to do with their body is going to start with an initial stress yeah and where, how can we apply all these stresses strategically huh. so that we can initiate changes in the body but still be able to recover and adapt and,
1: and do all the cool stuff we want to do and it's that perception of stress as well yes uh, when we re, you know, explain that well you know maybe that's, uh, that shouldn't be as stressful as what you think it is too yeah. so sometimes it's a, a case of doing that with the with the client as well
0: mate I love the chin up bar I mean if you think about <laughs> it, averages over time and you're doing a couple of chin ups yeah. every day over well, volume course and of frequency year, you've done a lot of chin ups but what you're alluding to there Wolfgang with just energy expenditure and and working out this energy balance thing from the start. How do you quantify that with someone to start with and if they're not prepared or not emotionally capable to implement all the food quality choices and the changes to the nutrition plan, are you still trying to manage
2: energy balance? To some degree I do, um, but uh, in a a general sense I don't. So I'll change meals step by step, That's that's a big one. I have not done it since the beginning like that, in the beginning I would change like everything in one go. I would have great results. Um, and then uh, in the early stages there were some clients who were just not willing for that much of a big jump, so I basically just changed meal by meal. And what I've seen with them over a couple months is that for the person where I change everything in one go and, uh, and another person where I change only one meal at a time, uh, five, six months down the road, the, the overall result they had was the exact same which was a bit of a, a paradigm shift in my approach, it was basically why should I put on, on the stress of changing everything in one go instead of just okay, we, down the road we'll have the same results. yet just getting one meal in um, that's on point and organizing one meal that's on point, it's much easier to do. So you just you change breakfast. We found solutions, we find solutions that work for you and you're gonna change breakfast for one month. And then the next month we're gonna change lunch then we're going to change dinner, then we're going to change neck. It's um, a lot easier to implement. And as far as food quantity, I get that asked all the time. And one point I make is nobody eats too much, which is a fairly simple statement. Yeah, it's true. uh, Because it's not even that we're not eating the wrong things. In most cases, it's we're not eating the right things, which is the, the big problem. Because one of the main factors for eating what you're not supposed to be eating is... Because you did not eat what you were supposed to eat before. So if yeah. I'm in the office for 12 hours a day and I haven't eaten all day because I'm stressed and like, I'm not hungry, it makes sense because cortisol is uh, appetite suppressing. Yeah. Uh, and then you come home and cortisol drops and all of a sudden you're going to just open a fridge, eat whatever. Yeah. Ideally, grab some fast food on the way home and, and so on. Um, that's what happens with most people if they don't eat what they're supposed to be eating. Yeah. So my focus is you need to eat what you're supposed to be eating. So, for example, eating too much, you're not going to have two pounds of, of salmon, two heads of broccoli, uh, three avocados, and, and, uh, and a kilo of steak okay. in, a, in a single day. And okay. even if you do, that's not what's going to cause the problem. Okay. So my focus is more on make the right choices and implement those right choices regularly rather than focusing too much on a negative. Uh, too many people psychologically is like I'm not supposed to eat this I'm not supposed to eat that uh. Uh, which, which causes a lot of stress for them and just thinking about what you're not supposed to be eating we all know what happens uh, with, with that you know? uh, mm-hmm. eventually you're, you're gonna give in so my, my main focus is more like this is the foods you're supposed to be eating and then uh, as far as counting calories or uh, macros uh, does it work it absolutely works yet yeah, is it necessary Uh, I believe there's more or less only one scenario where it's absolutely necessary, which is in the final stages of um, preparing for a physique competition. Uh, Mm -hmm. In in that stage, it's golden, you basically need to do it. Um, Very very few that I know of have gotten away without doing it, Uh, yet in a general population scenario, the effort of weighing and, uh, and counting, it's quite a big one. And at the same time the risks are quite high too where I've seen many people that were not supposed to were not able to eat anything anymore that that was not uh, counted um, that happens so I avoid these risks and I avoid the effort by not having them c- count away their food yeah which doesn't mean again it works yet it's a big it's a big effort it's quite a bit of an investment in time mm. every single day to weigh and count your food but what am I getting out of it uh, do I getting that much faster result? Um, I don't think so. Mm. And at the same time, especially for the, the older you get or the older your average client, the harder it is for them to implement it. So someone who is in his 20s, will, will they track their food? M- much more likely than someone who is in their 40s or 50s, yeah. which is technically mm. the majority of general population client. So, so for them, weighing and, 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 and counting macros, for, for very few it's, it's that sustainable. Uh, I believe for nobody it's that efficient. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have a way. I just I base it on uh, in food choices, um, which is um, okay. you're uh, basically you're allowed to eat as much animal as you want. You're allowed to eat as much plant as you want, and technically you're allowed to eat as much fat as you want. Yet I, on fat, I actually do give some rough guidelines because I've had uh, clients in the past. Uh, that were completely going overboard, like I remember having one guy, he he started to have his favorite lunch, was a pound of ground beef, a can of tomatoes, and three blocks of feta cheese. So <laughs> oh, nice. block of feta cheese is about 200 grams, to this day I do not understand how the guy could eat that, but <laughs> he would have a pound of ground beef and 600 grams of feta cheese and mix in a pan with some tomatoes, and he would eat that for lunch, Beautiful. and he was stuck at around 11-12% for a very long time. Until we figured out that uh, it's a bit too much fat um, mm.
1: to eat. So. I love that, Wolfgang. And it's, um I guess, encouraging uh, what you deem the correct food to be eaten. And there's, okay, here's a list of foods that I want you to, you know, proteins, vegetables, whatever, as much as you want, three times a day. Completely get that, love it. Now you've set that up. And then how do we... Do you let that remain static in a in a transformation, and then you manipulate the training side of things to increase energy expenditure? Because all three of us here in this this room, and, and Cam might as well, it, it know that there's some sort of energy balance manipulation. There's some sort of deficit created for the fat loss to occur over time. So once you've established in that first month, you've you've or wh- whatever the duration is to to get all those meals uh, in check, then. Where's the magic that causes the, the actual fat loss? How do you manipulate things? Is, is it then you're reducing portion yeah. sizes or you take fats out? Or where do you go from there to actually elicit the, the body comp change beyond where it's uh, stabilized at, at the end of whatever period it took you to implement all those uh, meals, like we said?
2: Nutritional changes in that sense are actually some of the last changes I make. So once the nutritional baseline is set, with we'll change all your meals, we we'll change all your sna- snacks. Um, the main main focus goes away from the nutrition actually. So I maintain my base nutrition fairly long without manipulating it again. Yep. Rather than I use training, I use intervals, and I use supplements to uh, to accelerate my progress. Um, only at, at a very late point I might add some uh, some changes in nutrition actually. Why? It's very simple. Because um, if I manipulate nutrition too much, I do see too much risk. So just, you know, for example, eating a low-calorie diet, it works very well. Uh, Yet, yeah, the, the rebound is quite um, quite significant. So if I just lower calories for too long, with everybody's, we've seen it, um, you lower it for too long, you increase it back up, and, and people are going to blow up suddenly. And at the same time, a low-calorie diet is just not... Sustainable for those people. Yep. So at, at times I actually do introduce lower calorie periods. Um, yet I rarely go low calorie for longer uh, than two three weeks at a time, you know, just to, to avoid the definitely additional stress, and at the same time to make it more sustainable by m- and minimize risk. So I still have them eat as much as they want if they make the right choices. So the right choices go before volume. And then uh, initially I changed a lot of other things before actually changing the nutrition just because of the, the risk and sustainability problems that, that I see.
1: Okay, very good, very good. Great. All right, so you mentioned uh, some training modalities in there. You said there were intervals and, and, and training in general would be a, a, a means by which energy expenditure would be increased. Can we delve into, before we come back, we might go in a roundabout way, Tommy, if you're okay with that, we'll come back to supplements to uh-huh. get his go-to, but just on the back of you mentioning training, where do we go to um, uh, training-wise in general? Is it a, a particular style? You like the higher repetition, full-body workouts? Um, can you talk us through what you see the most, uh, the biggest return on investment for general population, your, your, your training fundamentals?
2: I think for general population, independent of their goal, the most underused uh, training systems are those in the functional hypertrophy area uh, because it, it, it gives them a lot of things at the same time. So at the end of the day, you know, every training, training system that is out there has some benefits. Yep. Um, obviously um, a high rep uh, for body comp definitely is a big, big benefit, yet high volume only works to a certain degree. And it only focuses on, on basically one main goal, which is improving um, metabolic rate or in, increasing energy expenditure. Yet, if we have functional hypertrophy, we, we're going to change strength. We're going to change muscular balance. We're going to change posture. And then also posture. If you look at the latest research, posture and the endocrine system correlate highly. So just by improving your posture, I'm going to decrease your cortisol. And at the same time, I'm going to increase your, your testosterone. uh, Have you seen the TED talk by Dr. Amy Cuddy?
0: I haven't. No, I haven't.
2: It's it's an excellent TED talk. Uh, She basically, um, her whole topic, she's a Harvard researcher, her whole topic is presence. So um, and some of the research she did, she highlights in this TED talk, which is basically, uh, they have a setup and they put you for 10 minutes in a certain type of posture before um, having to go through a job interview and then someone has to rate you during the shop interview, how well you did, but not on audio, just on visual, so on your presence, how do you move, sit, and so on. 90% of communication is nonverbal. so their point was, the posture I'm in, how does that affect my presence? And they would have basically two groups of postures, uh, that would be the weak postures, so basically making yourself small, you know, basically get, getting into flexion, and then they would have the power power poses, what they called it. So making yourself tall, lifting your arms, making yourself big. And one of the things they did during that research, they correlated that <coughs> with the hormone system. So they would measure cortisol and measure testosterone and its response to being 10 minutes in a certain posture. So if you, if you go get into a power pose, your cortisol gets lowered and your testosterone gets raised. And the opposite is the case in the weak pose. Uh, So 10 minutes in a certain posture does not only significantly affect your presence, which they have figured out based on the ratings of the interview, they have also figured out that 10 minutes in a certain posture does uh, affect um, your testosterone and cortisol by 20 to 60% either way. Uh, Both hormones are pulsatile to a degree. Mm. Short-term effect is good one, yet if we consider that we uh, are in some sort of posture every single second of the day, uh, how does posture affect our hormones overall? So if we improve posture, which from a training perspective to me is improving muscular balance, especially um, in in the upper body, it's all about strengthening it upper back, realigning uh, cervical and thoracic spine, and then in in the lower body, it's a big one about moving – the ankle and the hip through full range of motion, uh, to what level can we address? Just the hormonal system through improving posture, through training for functional hypertrophy, and then of course we're gonna improve hypertrophy, we're gonna improve strength, and also functional hypertrophy has a big effect on on the hormonal system. So as a general answer, I'm a huge fan of the functional hypertrophy training for general population, even, even if it's body composition. And body composition is, is two things, fat loss and muscle gain. Um, high rep training uh, does work very well. I do use it if you can tolerate it. Uh, okay. uh, high rep training, high volume training is like a, a car. You can go long distance with a car if the car has a tank that's big enough. So if I have a client that's conditioned to handle high volume or higher volume of work, I'm a, I'm a big fan to use it. Yet a lot of uh, initial clients that one sees, are, that I see, they're not, they're, not, they're not there yet, they're, they're not conditioned Conditioned yet. You know, a lot of clients that come in day one, you do one super set room, you know, set of chin-ups, 10 seconds rest, set of squats, and then basically the workout is over.
1: Yeah. So for someone yeah. like
2: that, just because they're not ready yet, or they're not there yet conditioning-wise, I would uh, start them out and build that conditioning. And the better your conditioning, the better your training status, the more high rep um, I would uh, build in, uh, yet, uh, the base pillar, um, training-wise, is definitely functional hypertrophy. Adding in volume as soon as they can tolerate it, and then, of course, I'm a big fan of using internal training. I'm a bigger fan of internal training than I've ever been, just to add in volume, and especially add in volume at a high energy expenditure. Uh, mm. That's one of the biggest keys to me as far as using internal training, uh, because Number one, movement and interval training is so fast. Number two, it's so concentric dominant, which basically leads to the point of interval interval training being of such high energy expenditure compared to classic strength training.
0: That's great, Wolfgang. I'd like to actually pick you a little further on maybe how you set a week up with interval training and, and functional hypertrophy systems and then how you periodize. But just to go back to the, the posture and the hormones, what's yeah. your... Um, what do you think's going on there, mate? I mean, I, I'm assuming that holding a certain posture certainly generates a certain kind of psychology and there's always a downflow in physiology off that. Mm. Do, you, do you think that's, that's what's going on there?
2: There's different systems that have looked at that before. Mm. Um, maybe you have heard of the Feldenkrais movement system. Um, and one of the statements I, I've read in their work, which I find highly interesting, is that all negative emotion is expressed in flexion. So
0: yes. a negative okay.
2: emotion or stress, we flex. The only part in the body where that's not the case is actually a cervical spine, which we hyperextend. Everything else under stress, we flex. Mm. Yeah. So any time of making a small is a stress response. So when you when you, when you you basically have the weak and the strong or power poses, uh, power poses always make yourself big, whereas um, the make yourself small is always the weak pose. Uh, so just, just from a general perspective, making yourself small, or a weak pose is to some degree a stress response and um, we, all, we all know that being in certain positions either has a, a, a positive effect on our, on our mood and well-being or not. Yeah. So being too long in flexion uh, does have a negative effect. Uh, to my knowledge, um, Dr. Amy Cuddy was the first to quantify that from a hormonal perspective. And it wasn't was even the main purpose of, of her research to look at that from the endocrine system rather than just to look at it from, okay, how can we quantify the effect on, on our presence? So yeah, very cool. Uh, getting into different postures, especially the stress postures, we will have a stress response, mm. which is what she basically figured out. Cortisol rises and then testosterone drops. And uh, What we actually want is definitely the opposite, uh, increased testosterone.
0: Certainly Annette Vapilo from uh, Posturology and Posture Pro would, uh, she said Inca. very similar things to, to exactly that. Mm. Um, that's absolutely fascinating. So Wolfgang, how does a week of training look like? Yeah, if you're what's gonna, the split? Give if us. you're going to pack some interval training in there and, and the resistance training, how many sessions are they doing in the weight room and how, what does the interval look like? Yeah,
1: and, and obviously before you jump in there, individual specific, we get that. But just some general, what's a typical mm-hmm. uh, week like uh, for your... Um, uh, gen pop clientele and, and the length of the, the, the program as well, the length of the mesocycle. Mm-hmm. How long are you talking there?
2: Usually a phase go six workouts. Uh, that, that's the average length I go for. It's just from a statistical perspective. Uh, that's what most people can continuously progress on. Um, yet uh, on a moderate or intermediate advanced um, clients actually do change small things as far as parameters in training every week. Um, depending on the time budget you have, it's yeah. two to four weight trainings a week. So, two to four times gym, and then uh, one to two times we go for intervals. So, in a, in a perfect world, I actually have you strength train four times a week and uh, interval train, preferably sprint, um, uh, twice a week. Uh, if, if you barely have any time, which happens with some general population clients, I'll put you in two strength training workouts and uh, one interval training.
1: And uh, program length. I mean, to do the math on that, you're looking at a two to three week uh, mesocycle or, or, or program length on average. Roughly
2: three weeks. <coughs> three weeks. Sometimes it's <coughs> sometimes it's four, okay. uh, depending on uh, what, what what split you're in. But three to four weeks. It's it's the rough the rough length. But then on, on some people within the, the cycle, I have uh, a small changes. So it actually, the, the programs changes every week slightly. So it's not a complete program to change, but I will adjust um, primarily reps and sets. Is the first ones that I um, manipulate within a mesocycle. Just for people that are not, they are that advanced that they're not able to make continuous program with the same set rep scheme, or the same program for for a full six workouts.
1: All right, very good. And um, and when we you come out of the first uh, program, three to four weeks, you've done your six workouts, you've done your intervals. Um, what uh, what changes into the next program like what are you um, what are you looking at changing just exercise selection or are you titrating um, the intervals up a bit or a little bit more volume um, what do you change from uh, when you're looking at the, the macro cycle from uh, you know mezzo to meso, like w- what sort of variables are you tinkering with there mate
2: uh, at the end of the day I try to make only as much change as I need to continue to progress. So, definitely exercises are going to change. Um, periodization wise, d- depending on, on where they are exactly are, uh, undulating periodization, I um, okay. consider to be the uh, the primary and, and most advanced and progressive form of periodization there is. So, depending on what phase we are coming out, if we're coming out of a more intensity based phase, okay. um, we're going to move up to more volume. If uh, we come out of volume phase, we're going to move move down to more intensity. So, Maybe we come out of our five sets of five, and um, ten, 10 sprints of uh, ten seconds with 180 seconds rest. There'll be more int- intensity-based workout, okay. and then you move up to whatever ten by ten for the weight workouts. Maybe the yeah. ten by ten for lower, eight by eight for, uh, for upper body, and then the these uh, the, the um, intervals might go to six intervals of 45 seconds, four minutes. Okay we would have a more volume-based volume, volume based approach, and then the next phase, the volume would drop again, and yeah. it would increase the intensity.
1: Awesome, so you're looking at two to four sessions, three to four week uh, blocks, and uh, it'd be that typical classical uh, undulating uh, periodization through you know, accumulation, high volume work, and, and, and both the intervals and the, the, the resistance training come up in volume, mm. uh, lower intensity, and then the subsequent um, as a cycle would be a, a higher intensity lower total volume um yeah man tried and tested I, I i love that sounds awesome
0: yeah wolfgang so how does it um from an assessment perspective if i'm a client at uh, ypsi and i'm coming in it sounds like you're keeping a a reasonable eye over, over everything and running the skin Skins, folds yeah. a couple of times a month or how does that work and and then you're making your adjustments from there
2: Skin folds, I do only every three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. So I see some downsides for doing it too, more often or doing it less frequent. Uh, three to four four weeks for how I work and how I change things has, has, um, has um, been proven to be by far the most efficient frequency of, of measuring skin folds. Uh, if I see a client too often, we're not making the big jumps, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you if measure every week and you lose half a percent every week, that doesn't appear to be a lot yet if i would measure you only once a month you obviously make two percent loss in, in one month yeah. uh which would be a, a very good one right
1: mm-hmm.
2: so uh, measuring too too frequent um and i see uh, the big jumps that are definitely a benefit from a, from a psychological standpoint of a motivation standpoint are, are not there at the same time every protocol that that we change supplement wise or maybe the nutrition side at that point or um, the training side, it, it needs a bit time to, to grow and develop. So I don't change things too frequently. I yeah. uh, basically expose a um, client to a nutrient or a stressor for some time. Yep. And then we change as most things don't work very well longer than a month. So we would change com- the supplement protocol will basically completely change. There's usually only two supplements that will stay the same every single month, which is the only two that I give independent of skin folds. everything else, I will change completely every month to change the stimulus, and same as the training program, the direction of the training program will change completely every month, and at the same time the nutrition, um, if we are at that early point or that late point, will also make um, Adjustments. the changes there um, to to keep going. Yeah, absolutely awesome.
1: awesome. You mentioned uh, the final piece in the puzzle there, which we want to uh, pick your brain on uh, in this last uh, section today. Uh, Wolfgang, so you mentioned supplements, a couple of base supplements that uh, that are there for the long haul, and then you manipulate other supplements around that. Can we maybe uh, discuss what the what the base ups are, and then just a bit of an insight into the different types of supplements you might utilise from phase to phase to
2: uh, wrap things up today? Sure, I'm a big fan of supplements. Um, I have used them since the beginning and I've used them with great results. Yeah. Um, my, base, my main supplements philosophy is built around supplying the body what it needs as far as raw material to make uh, what it needs from our, neuro, our hormones, neurotransmitter standpoint, yeah. and so on. So, I, wanna, I just basically want to give them raw material to f- facilitate cellular pro- processes, So which leads to the, the top two supplements that, that I give every single one of my clients independent of skin folds and, and goals which is a broad-based multi-mineral vitamin yep to make sure uh we cover all bases as there's no micronutrient that uh, exists in isolation in nature uh also there's no micronutrient that does a, its job on its own on a cellular level so it's always a synergy of different nutrients mm. that exist in nature and yep. that do their job in nature
0: yep. so
2: a broad-based yeah. micronutrient formula is a, is a big one for me. Um, the making sure that I have uh, sufficient micronutrients and that I don't create deficiencies of individual ones, which is, is a, actually a big risk if you're supplementing isolated micronutrients in a very high form, a high um, dosage. Yes. Yep. And that's the that's second it. one is definitely vitamin DK, especially if you live in a less sunny climate. So, for example, in Germany, uh, from September to April, and when there's an R in the month, there's no sun. Oh, so, we're, <laughs> we're not um, as lucky as the Australians that have a bit more sun than we do, <laughs> uh, so for us, uh, making enough vitamin D just by being outside is not going to happen. Uh, vitamin D directly or in the, in the, and indirectly affects every single cell in the body, so I needed to make sure I function well. That's the second one I, I give to every single client. And on top of that, it's uh, it's a big uh, it's a big spectrum of supplements that I use. I'm a big fan of the chlorella algae. Everyone that has looked into my work before knows that I use a lot of chlorella. Yeah. And then beyond that, uh, a, few, a few supplements that I've recently used more than ever before is, uh, you might have heard of glucokine. Uh, glucokine is um, a med that has been used by um, the German, uh, some German pharmaceutical companies to regulate blood sugar. Okay. Uh, it's been uh, heavily promoted about 15 years ago. It's actually made out of bitter melon extract. Heard of that?
1: Uh, bitter melon, yeah. I haven't heard of that specifically, but um yeah, that sounds fascinating.
2: Glucokine, bitter melon extract. Unfortunately, it's not that easy available anymore, but we do have very high quality bitter melon extract. And uh, since I'm, um, I'm measuring a lot of uh, blood sugar levels, these days so continuous glucose monitoring is one thing that I've implemented more than ever before which is basically 24 7 um, glucose monitoring or blood glucose monitoring Uh, one of the things that have had the most fascinating results with was by supplementing bitter melon extract uh, to maintain um, blood sugar beautiful maintain low blood sugar so that that is one that that I really like to use uh, which is um, which has given me great results um, I'm a big fan of Chinese herbs, and then, of course, uh, from a mineral perspective, um, the magnesiums yeah. in different forms. You know, magnesium is not magnesium. There's different forms, and I like to use uh, different forms to um, target different purposes. Very
1: good, very good. Okay, so obviously uh, a nice spread of supplementation there, a couple of go-tos and definitely the vitamin D and the, the multi is would, that uh, resonates with myself and Tommy as well were, we're, we're nodding and fist pumping as you are rattling those off. So that sounds absolutely awesome.
0: Yeah, certainly from that perspective, when you think about it, General Pop providing yeah. the raw materials they need for all those cellular processes, that's a great way of rationalising that yeah. that approach. That makes a lot of sense. I'm not
1: going for the pre-workouts yeah. and uh, all this sort of crazy yeah. stuff. All right, where are we going to go, Tommy? We're going to start wrapping things up here. Maybe we'll um, have the dates for your... Because you're coming out to Sydney, I think it was in November, yeah? Yeah, 17th, 18th
2: November, I'll be in Sydney at 24, 25. Uh, the weekend each i'll be in um melbourne
1: okay so the 17th and 18th at uh, the chf fi here in uh, sydney and then mm-hmm. down at i think it's body seek in melbourne was it the 24th and 25th
2: exactly Sorry,
0: and this is basically a two-day overview of all of the systems and how you approach is it both athletes and general pop wolfgang
2: yeah, um, yep. I, I give a broad overview of what I do since I'm, I'm only going to be in um, in Australia for such still a short amount of time. I've cut down the whole certification program I do to a, a two-day practical and broad spectrum overview. We got everything about, I explained: the, the training, the nutrition, the supplement sides, and, and the small little things I, I do to give everyone that attends a very nice and big and practical, which is important to me. Uh, overview of what I do with my clients and my athletes um, to get results.
1: Absolutely awesome. And uh, if anyone is interested in attending your seminars, highly recommend it from our perspective. How can they get in touch?
2: Uh, the easiest way is you can go on my website, ypsi.de or just, uh, you can just Google my name, Australia, and uh, then it should pop up on, on Google easily. Awesome. Mm.
0: Well,
1: you can hit us up
0: well certainly coming down in november you hopefully you won't have to bring the vitamin d with you wolfgang and get a a nice opportunity for a couple of weeks of sun
1: yeah
2: i think so Mm, and look
1: we're looking forward to uh coming up to the chfi and uh sticking our head in the door we've got the green light from the uh from the ex-boss, so uh, so maybe we'll uh, make a bit of a cameo over there at the CHFI. But as long as it, there's no way, practical, Wolfgang, you yeah. won't find
0: us doing any workouts. We'll, we'll, we'll be hide, hide hiding behind, behind, the, behind leg the leg press. press. Yeah.
1: yeah, we're not going to... No, no, no. There'll be no training. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the training part is voluntary.
1: <laughs> all right, absolute pleasure to have you on the on the podcast again, mate. Really looking forward to uh, catching up personally when you're here in Sydney. And um, yeah, I wish you all the best for the rest of this year and uh, and uh, whatever you've got planned.
2: Ron, Tommy, thank you very, very much uh, for uh, having me back. Looking forward to coming down to Australia. And then uh, for now, it's actually now starting to get summer in Germany. So we have a a little bit of sun, hopefully.
1: Beautiful. Good on you, Wolfgang. Thank you, mate. mate. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk soon. See you in November. You
2: too. Have a good one.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you, mate. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you.
0: Look, I was just, I spent that whole interview just nodding along, uh-huh. just going, yeah, yeah, yep, makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Love it, Wolfgang. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. You know, all of that. So, a great idea to have the chin up bar just set up in the doorway for your Gen yes. Pop clients. Every time you go in <laughs> and out of that doorway, you're yeah. pushing that chin up. Might add an extra 50 chin ups a week. Yeah. It's not
1: insignificant. It's going to add inches to your lats.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And we can all handle a few more inches, Tommy on I those lats and one of the things is uh, like people often think ah oh, too high volume but look at uh, look at cyclists sprint cyclists they ride all the time how big are their bloody legs exactly high frequency get into it high frequency high volume it's
0: totally natural of course yeah, you betcha yeah
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Interesting what he was saying then, Rawdon about those uh, the reasons for his functional hypertrophy. Obviously, he developed some strength, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but developed some musculature, but also the posture and the downflow yes. effect of, on the whole uh, very end- endocrine hormonal system. Very important. Fascinating yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yep, he'll be out here in November, uh, CHFI F-I- on the sixteenth and seventeenth, and then down to Body Seek in Melbourne on the twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Yep. So that's awesome. Now, Roden, for any of those listeners out there that are a big fan of Broderick Chavez, the evil genius. And who genius, isn't? Uh, Even Cam's a big fan. He is. Uh, his product is available. Uh, actually, a free module. You can go mm. to evilgeniusdownunder.com. Freebies. And access a free module of his, it's about 40 minutes worth, I think, of of a presentation. Very good. um, From his Brisbane seminar. And, uh, you know, have a sniff around, see what you think. Awesome. Um, Have a lovely day. Rawdon, enjoy getting your nails done. Yes. Cam, do what you do. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you on the flip side.